anyone seen Toy Story 4? This is the first of two Disney references, not just one Disney reference for you today, guys. Oh, that's not a good sign. But two Disney references. Um, has, has it, did anyone say yes? Is it, okay, we've got a few at the front, a few at the back. Okay. Is it better than one, two, and three? Better than three. Okay, interesting. Interesting. Um, I guess with Toy Story, they just realized they had a good thing going and they just went for it again. Is that, do you think that's what they did? Maybe they had a good thing. Anyway, speaking of having a good thing going, going for it again, we're actually doing the same Bible passage as we did last week, this week. I'm not saying exactly the same thing, um, although you, those of you who weren't listening last week won't know anyway. Um, we're doing the same passage as last week um, from Mark 12. We're still in Mark. We've been in Mark since December, and we've got a few more weeks to go of Mark. Um, we're in Mark chapter 12. And um, in this passage, Jesus is in the temple. Uh, it's the last week of his life coming over the halfway point of Mark's gospel as we head towards the cross. And um, he's got an opportunity to debate with the Jewish leaders, those who taught and upheld the law. Um, the Jews had this huge book of the laws, um, plenty of material to, to debate, for debate, and also plenty of opportunity to just get it wrong and get the emphasis wrong. And um, one of the teachers listening, and here's something different to normal. We get a sense that he's heard something different to the normal discussions that the Jewish leaders and teachers, if you ever see words in the Bible like Pharisee or Sadducee or scribe or... There's a few other ones as well. Um, these are the people we're talking about. Um, and this is the passage. This is, the, this is the, what happens next. One of the teachers listening, and here's something different. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So of all the commandments that these guys t teach and discuss and nitpick over and sort of wrestle with as part of their role as leaders of the Jewish faith, which one is the most important? And Jesus answers brilliantly. The most important one answers Jesus is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. We talked a lot about that bit last week. Verse 31, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied, you are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. He gives this brilliant, simple, but deep and powerful answer. And actually, it changes the course of the conversation. And he's able to tell them more about Jesus and more about what um, he's there for in the next bit of the discussion. Um, and it's a good summary, isn't it, of what God's law was, to, to love God and to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show his people how to love and last week we talked about loving God with our whole selves, all the different ways that we might show our love for God. Um, and we also talked about that, actually, that we might do this with the wrong motives. Sometimes we do lots of good things like prayer and worship and being generous and working hard and using our gifts and giving up our time because we love God. But sometimes we can be motivated by the wrong things. We can be motivated by fear, being worried about what will happen if we don't keep the rules or if we don't obey the law, as the Jews were discussing. Um, we might be motivated by familiarity. Well, it's just what we've always done. It's just what I've always done, and that can be what motivates us. We might be motivated 
by pride, wanting to look good, wanting people to be impressed with what we're doing. I definitely suffer from that. Um, another one I suffer from is comparison. You see what next door's doing, the person over there's doing, you're like, oh, I should be doing that as well. When actually God sometimes calls us to different things and calls us uniquely because we're all different. Um, and sometimes we're motivated by our own self-image or lack of self-image, the, the way that we sometimes don't feel worthy of God's love. And so we do loads of stuff in order to make him love us more. Um, but actually, God already loves us. He already loves us. This is why Jesus starts with love in this commandment, in this greatest commandment. Um, there's nothing we can do that will ever make him love us more. And there's nothing we can do that will ever make him love us any less. It's this endless and perfect and all-encompassing and life-changing love of God. It's love that sent God's own son to earth as a baby to show us what God is like so that we can call God Father just as Jesus can call, calls him Father. And it's love that sent God's precious, perfect son to the cross to suffer and to die so that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God. Nothing we've done, nothing anyone else has done to us. Nothing that weighs heavy, nothing we carry, none of the mistake we've made, and none of those struggles that we live with, nothing um, will ever separate us from the love of God. Jesus' death has put all of those barriers to death, and we can rise to new life, experience transformation of life, because Jesus rose again from the dead. We can be fully alive. And this love is, is big, and I think that's why Jesus starts with that because that's the core of it. We don't want to be motivated by fear and pride and comparison and all the other things that in our messiness we can get caught up with. Actually, we want to be motivated by love. I was praying for someone last week and um, I just felt, felt overwhelmed with God's love for them and was quite emotional. I managed to hold it together this time. It's happened a couple. It doesn't happen very often to me. I do get emotional sometimes. But for this particular, like really feeling God's love for the person who just don't who just doesn't see it. Um, it once happened to me in a funeral that someone was giving a little eulogy for his father, and I just got overwhelmed with God's love for this man, someone I've been journeying with, lots of struggles and lots of interesting priorities. Um, and luckily, I'd, I'd, I was helping with the singing, so I sort of managed to get through a bye with me, and then basically just sat in the pulpit, which is like the bit with the steps up where you sometimes do a sermon from, just like wept. <laughs> and the vicar came to find me after the service, put his head around the pulpit and was like, okay, sort of backed away <laughs> and left me to it and went to deal with flowers and all of those things that you do after a funeral. But that overwhelming love of God just struck me. Um, and it's... And it's that much that God cares for us. It's that much that God cares for us and loves us. Um, and it's that closeness with God, that loving God. That's the first part of Jesus' answer today. We're here to choose a relationship, not just the rules. We're created for relationship first. The rules come later. That's the story of, the, of Genesis, the, where relationship is first. Closeness with God, relationship with God, walking with God in the Garden of Eden, being partners with God in how we care for his world and how we love each other. That's the first thing, relationship first, and rules come after that. And that's what we need to be motivated by. It's who we are and not just what we do. Second Disney reference. Who's seen Tangled here? Oh, that's quite a good show. Now, Tangled is growing on me. I wasn't very convinced of it to start with. But actually, I'm getting quite into Tangled. We watch it an awful lot in my house at the moment, like twice a week, something ridiculous. Um, so I'm getting quite into it. But there's one, the one thing that made me a little bit worried about Tangled, and that probably gives it its sort of PG certificate, is the relationship. So I don't know how much of this is the traditional fairy tale, but in Tangled, the Disney version, Rapunzel has magic hair. Is that in the original? 
Oh, that is in the ridge. Okay, I, I don't know anything, do I? I can't remember my childhood. Okay, so Rapunzel has magic hair. She's got magic healing hair that can heal you and make you young and fix anything. And, and, and so this, this old lady who wants to stay young forever steals Rapunzel as a baby and locks her up in a tower. And, and then you sort of zoom forward nearly 18 years and um, Rapunzel's in her tower and this old lady who she calls mother and who is her mother, essentially, not really, um, comes to visit her every so often, and when she brushes her hair, she gets a, you know, a new kick of youthfulness, oil of ole, or whatever it is. Um, she gets that, and then she goes away happy. And I think it may be really, really uncomfortable the first couple of times I watched it, because that's not how it should be. Like, mums don't love their kids because of what they can do, or because the things that they've got, or the powers that they've got. Like, that's not a healthy parent-child relationship, like, just going to visit them because of what they can get from them. Like, that is, not, <laughs> that is not okay. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are. And then in the Disney film, she is reunited with her real parents, the king and queen at the end. Um, and they love her irrespective of who she is, what she's done, what she can do, where she's been. They love her because of the relationship they have with her. And they rebuild that at the end, which is lovely. Um, uh, Tangled. Where was I going? Yes. It's who we are, not what we do. That's where I was going. It's all about relationship and not rules. And so we're on to the second part of Jesus' answer. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And when we think about loving our neighbor, Jesus' understanding of loving our neighbor is very broad. Like, probably even broader than the Jewish teacher who asked the question might have realized. Um, anyone we come across as our neighbor, Jesus tells a story about the Good Samaritan being a good neighbor, and he's someone who um, the Jews mistrusted, who didn't get stuff about religion right, who saw the world very differently, um, who was marginalized, really, by, by the Jewish society, and they lived up in the north, and Jerusalem was down in the south. Um, it might be people who are marginalized another way because they exhibit challenging behavior, or they experience deep brokenness. And Jesus spent a lot of time with people who were experiencing deep brokenness and exclusion and just living on the margins of our society. There are people in our church, actually, who really get this and really have, have caught Jesus' heart for this broad sense of neighbor. There's um, a couple in our church who have fostered literally dozens and dozens and dozens of children from all sorts of backgrounds. Also, they're not here today, so I won't embarrass them. But... Um, Dozens and dozens of children they've taken into their home and fostered them with all the baggage that they come with, with all the pain and brokenness that they've come with. They've, they've recognized that that's the neighbor that God's called them to love. There are people here today, actually, who welcome some of the most vulnerable people in our society, right on the edges, who don't even, yeah, right on the edges of society in every way, um, into their home to live with them, because otherwise they'd be out on the streets. We've got a couple who do that in our church. And we've got people in our church who go out with street passes in the middle of the night till goodness knows what in the morning and love people who are out in an evening on a Friday and Saturday night in town. Those who are, are maybe making difficult choices, maybe choices that are not good for them and, and, and you know, working out some of that brokenness and pain in town on a Friday and Saturday night with a street pass. Did I say street passes already? That's the street passes. Yeah. Um, so there's a few people in our church who have already got this and maybe there's loads more of you who have got what this broad sense of neighbor means. It's not just the people who live near you. Although we don't, I don't really know my neighbors very well, so I do feel that's, a, that's something I really want to work on a bit better. Um, it's not necessarily people that live with us or the people we see a lot of. It's this broad, broad sense of neighbor. And actually for us, even beyond what, what Jesus 
taught. Um, we live in a global society now, don't we, that actually our, our understanding of neighbour can really extend across seas and plane journeys and because of the way we communicate as a global society. This, we know that the stuff we do can really affect other people and, then, and the, the good stuff we do can really affect people miles away as well. We see that on sort of um, comic relief and those sorts of things, don't we? The connection that we have with people in very different situations to ourselves. Um, and also the way that we treat our planet affects other people as well. So big scope. And the problem with the big scope is actually it can just paralyze us sometimes. And we can say, it's just too big, Lord. The problems of the world are just too big. I've no idea where to start. I've no idea what this means for me. There's too much choice. There's too many problems. It's too big. I can't make any difference um, in, in the world. I, I, don't know how to I don't know where to start. I don't know how to love my neighbor. Part of my ordination training, um, I did a, a couple of pieces of work on ethical living, so sort of how we use our consumer habits to affect the world in a positive way. Um, I also did a bit of, of reading and writing on the environment, how like we can love the environment, how that's part of God's mission to earth, is to, to care for his creative world. And um, particularly on the ethical stuff, like it's really tricky. Because there's, there's all sorts of exploitation and particular industries that we will be aware of. The clothing industry, there's real issues around exploitation in the clothing industry. Um, in the electronics industry, lots of sort of modern slavery stuff going on there. Um, fruit and veg industry in terms of carbon emissions and eating local and organic and how we're setting up our world. So it's all very negative, isn't it? Um, I'll go on and on. I won't go on and on. Um, but basically, after several thousands and thousands of words that I've written on this, I just decided that the maths was too hard and I just wasn't going to focus on the maths anymore because every time you do one good thing, it affects something else badly. Like, you can't win. There's no perfect answer. There's no rule that says, in terms of caring for the environment or ethical living, that you're doing exactly the right perfect thing. What I concluded from all my con consulting and science around all this stuff around ethical living was that actually um, what did matter was how you were praying about it. What did matter was how you were responding to God's call to love other people and to love creation. What mattered was how you were wrestling with it, just like the Jewish teachers really wrestling the law. It wasn't so much about what the right answer that you came out with, because that might be different for all of us, because we all live in a very different practical situation. But what mattered that was that, that the love that God was putting into us was, was getting out somehow. It was affecting our prayers. It was affecting our priorities. It was affecting the way that we think about the world. Um, it was about what motivated us, not so much about getting the right answer and doing the perfect thing. It was about what motivated us, not necessarily about how many good things you would do. We can do it, can't we? Like, I've gone plastic-free on this this week, and I've not used my car three times this week. You know, we can sort of tick them off as good things to do and, like, stick our ethical badge on, can't we? And actually, that's, I don't believe that's what God's asking us to do. He's asking us to learn how to love, learn how to love our neighbors as ourselves. It can't just be another rule to follow. It can't be another thing to tick off the list. Um, it's got to be a way of life. It's got to be something we walk with, something we wrestle with, something we pray about, something we seek guidance on. We have awkward conversations in pubs about, and we, we bring to the forefront something that we allow to change us, something we allow to make us more like Jesus, something that helps us grow closer to God. It's not just about a set of rules and how to do life perfectly. It's about how we're growing closer to God. And we're invited to experience God's love and we're invited to walk in his way of loving. And we're invited to walk in his way of sacrifice too. Loving our neighbor probably involves putting other people's first. 
loving them the way that God loves them. And not just because it's a rule to follow, but because our relationship, our love of God, the way that we understand that overwhelming love of God that God has for everyone flows out of us. Someone, we were praying before the service. We always pray before the service at 9.15 and pray for the morning. And and this morning we um, asked God to give us any words or pictures. And one of the words that he gave uh, was um, a picture of a bowl of water and this idea that love being the water in the bowl and this love just overflowing, overflowing, never running out, always coming, always coming more. This picture of God's love that's never ending. Um, and actually, if we understand that love, we'll have something of that to give out as well. We'll be part of that overflowing of God's love as well. And also, I mean, I believe that radical love like this will change the world. If you add up all the, if you just do the math for a second, it is possible. It's just, it's really hard with all our structures and systems to work out how to, how to share all the resources out. But if you do all the maths of like, no, I'm back on the ethics again. Let's leave ethics, leave ethics. Anyway, radical love will change the world. If we change our, <laughs> you're laughing at me. If we can change, if we can let God show us how much he loves us and teach us how to let that overflow to other people, it will change the world. It will change our neighborhoods. It will change our conversations at the school gate. It will change how we treat other people. It will change our priorities. It will change how we think about the world. Patton Church is a new church plant. Um, we've only been going seven months. Um, and if you've been around with us for a little while, you'll have heard our vision statement, which I'm going to get you to repeat now, which is inviting people into family to serve Swindon. Great. Let's work it up, Matt. Inviting people into family to serve Swindon. We're a new church plant. We're here for a particular reason. We're trying something different. The Church of England have given us a huge amount of grace and generosity to do something slightly different here. Um, and this is what we're here to do. We're here to invite people into family to serve Swindon. And I think loving our neighbor as we love ourselves is essential to this vision. Um, so invite people. We want to reach out and invite a neighbor because actually we know that they need Jesus. We know that they need to understand God's love for them. We know that maybe they need friendship. Maybe they need some healing in their life. Maybe they need community around them. And actually, even though it's embarrassing and difficult sometimes to talk about our faith, we've been taught not to talk about our faith because, well, we just sort of that happens in our country don't we we're British and that's sort of is part of our thing that we've got but actually we know deep down that God loves them that loves that person and we long to invite them in and we want to be a church that is a really good place to invite people into is anyone here this isn't in my notes here because someone invited them to come is there any of those people yeah yeah, a few. Fa- uh, I know there's more than that. Okay, Hang on, well that's that's all right. That's a few brave hands. Um, we we want to be a safe place to invite people into to discover um, God's love for them. Um, Sundays and Alpha is the main way we're doing this. Alpha is our um, Wednesday night meeting. Well, not even meetings. They're a series of sessions that run each term. We're about week eight. Looking at Jeff, he knows eight. We're going eight. Um, Week eight this term, so we've only got a few more left to go. Um, Chance to meet some wonderful people, have some great food, watch a talk, and have a chat about the meaning of life. Chat about Jesus, chat about healing, chat about how God guides us and speaks to us. Our next Alpha course starts on September the 25th. Got lots of time gearing up. Some of us um, have been praying at 11.24, which is a reference to Mark 11.24. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. So 11.24, every day we've been putting our alarms on our phones and praying for who we want to invite to the next Alpha. We've got two months to do it. 
more than two months, 25th of September, we're starting the next one. So that's an opportunity to love your neighbor. You will know someone, you might know someone who would, you'd love to experience an invitation to Alpha to experience something of God's love. That's inviting people into that. Oh, look, there's the alpha question mark. Brilliant. Um, the second thing we, we want to do is we want to grow a family where people are loved and cared for. Um, and our church family, you guys are the main way we're doing this at the moment, coming together on Sundays. Some of us are starting to explore what small groups might look like on a Wednesday. Um, lots of you are having coffees with each other and going to the park and going to the pub and all sorts of other things. Um, and we want to be the most welcoming church family. In fact, the most welcoming place in the whole of Swindon where anyone can come and experience God's love and know how loved they are, how precious they are, how much he longs for them to know him. We want to be a church where people can connect it in, where people can celebrate when it, things are good and can be supported where things are not so good. Um, and we want to be people who treasures those people who Jesus treasures, treasures those people who, um, well, all the people I talked about earlier who are, have challenging situations and who are on the margins of society. We want to learn to be a family who, for whom those aren't just neighbors over there, but they're neighbors in here as well. We're, we're new to this only seven months in, um, and we're all on the team. I think sometimes in churches, it's easy to be like, oh, I've only been here a few months. I, um, I'm not really sure where, I, where my place is in this. I'm not really sure how I can help. Well, we've all only been here a few months. Actually, that's the story of all of us, and we're, we're all on the team for this, the, the opportunity to love our neighbor as a church family, the opportunity to have that conversation, even if you're sure you have met them before, but it was a long time, and you've definitely forgotten the name, and you can't remember anything about them. Actually being brave and stepping out and having the conversation again anyway, because you know that you'd love someone to come and have a conversation with you on a Sunday morning, those sorts of things. Um, maybe you want to sign up for Bunch for Lunch. There's my graphic. Um, lunch with a Bunch next week. Um, have a, ha step out and have a try. Maybe host some people in your home. Maybe offer someone some love by going to their home and, and have a go at learning what loving our neighbor as a church family might look like. We're all new here. It's the perfect time to have a try, have a go, practice our small talk, practice our like nice introductions of getting to know people well. Um, it's a chance to do that well as a family, so we can do that and we can serve Swindon in that as well into the future. Um, and thirdly, we want to be a church who takes serving Swindon seriously. Um, we want to see God's love transform this town. We want to see broken families restored. We want to see those who are trapped in addiction freed. We want to see people who feel like they have no purpose actually sparked up and driven to understand who they are and what God's given them um, to do and to raising up leaders. We want to see businesses with new vision, businesses thriving in Swindon. We're walking through the story of Honda at the moment, but we want to see that reversed and we want to see more things come out of that difficult, painful situation. We want to see young people raised into the leaders who will be the ones that change their neighborhoods for the better. Um, We've partnered with one organization so far. This is the first organization we're partnering with, who are Safe Families for Children. We've got some flyers, new flyers today, very exciting. Um, they're available on the Connect table afterwards. Um, and we've partnered with Safe Families for Children for a number of reasons, really. Some of you will have heard their presentation. Um, Shirley, who's the Swindon coordinator, and Mary, who works in the South... South something or other, South of England team, um, came to speak to us a couple, uh, probably about six weeks ago now, after the service. And um, what Safe Families do is they connect up families who are in need 
Um, those who are not necessarily working with a social worker or under a child protection plan, so not the, the, the families who need the most care and, and support, but families who are in need and who have been referred by um, family services, connect those families up with a Christian who um, might be able to offer some time or a skill to help to, and support them with whatever they feel they need to move them forward as a family. Um, and it's a chance, it's an amazing chance to love families that we might not get to meet normally. We, we probably don't live next door to them, we probably don't go to the same school gates as them, we probably don't work with them. Families that we wouldn't normally get to meet, um, but for whom a little bit of help actually would make a huge difference to them. Um, and it's tailor-made, so they can choose what they want help with. So it might be, um, taking someone for their weekly shop so that they're making sure they're making good decisions on their weekly shop. It might be um, helping someone with some DIY so that they can move past this point in their home where it's not safe for their kids to be there. It might be um, hosting children for a couple of nights a month as respite care so the parent or parents can, can have a bit of space and, and recharge, ready to be the best family they can be. There's lots of different ways that um, safe families connect families together. Um, so there are loads of different reasons. People can volunteer on their own terms, so as it, when you're a volunteer, there's so many different things you can get involved in whatever your gifts and skills are um, we're particularly here to reach out to under 40s that's one of the reasons that the Church of England Brothers of Bristol has has invested in Patton Church as a as a new plant for Swindon because under 40s in Swindon are the are not going to church as much as they could be going. There's all the st it's all on stats. The stats are low for under 40s and particularly 15 to 25s. And actually, safe families are working with vulnerable families and children. And that is exactly the age group that we're here for. Um, we want to see vulnerable people, um, vulnerable families with lives transformed. We want to serve Swindon, starting with those who are on the margins, who are vulnerable. Um, and we want to... It's a, such an exciting chance to work with a whole family, not just maybe what schools can do or what um, family services can maybe do with individuals. Um, the other thing that's quite amazing is that Swindon Borough Council have invested in Safe Families for Children, so it's all funded through council funds. And um, normally, when Safe Families approach a council, I hope this is true. They told me this about three months ago, so I'm going to tell you the story. Um, I'll correct myself another time. Um, normally, when Safe Families partner with a council, they get the council okay, and then they've got about a year to sort of galvanise volunteers and, and get things sorted and make, make a few partner churches and, and grow a bit of a team. And they've got about a year before the first family sort of is ready to be partnered with. Well, in Swindon, they approached the council and Swindon said, yes, you can have X amount of families, here's the budget. We're going to fund it for two years with the potential to extend to three in one month. So it's been really welcomed by the council. I, I think there's just a sign there that this is a really good thing for Swindon. They've seen that it really could make a difference for Swindon. And great of all, best of all, we don't actually need a building to do it. It's not about people coming into our building, which is great because we don't have a building. Well, we do, but the builders are going in to smash it up tomorrow. Um, so we don't need a building for it. We can all do it from our homes, from our community centres, from our coffee shops. We can do this on, on off-site, as it were. We can be out all over Swindon to do it. So that's a very long blurb about Safe Families for Children. Another reminder for us that that's something, some, a charity that we're partnering with and their details are available at the back. And Faye, Faye's got a red T-shirt on, buy the coffee. She'll happily answer any questions that you've got about it. Um, 
many of you might want to step into one of those areas around inviting people to Alpha or loving your neighbor as a family or um, signing up online, just fill an online form for Safe Families for Children and they'll get the process started. Um, many of you actually, while I've been talking, might have someone else that God's put on your heart, someone else who's a neighbor for you, a close neighbor or a far neighbor, someone else that you've been reminded of while I've been wittering on about ethical justice and whatever else. Um, that God's put on your heart, that you're like, actually, I'd love to be able to love them a little bit more. Just would you give me a little bit more love or a lot more love for that person? There might be someone that you've been praying for for a long time. There might be someone where their wrestle is so familiar to you that you're like, yes, I need a bit more love for them, Lord. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, not out of fear or pride or proving our own worth, but because we understand and we know God's great love for us, because you are loved wholly and completely and transformatively by God. And actually, radical love, we believe, through Jesus will change the world.